watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. My name is Jason Leroy. My name is Rebecca Olarte, and on today's episode, we're going to give our official office pool-ready picks for the Sunday Oscar winners, and we'll review two new releases, Gods of Egypt and Embrace of the Serpent. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being the highest rating. Consume in moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back. Life is too short for that fucking mess. So first of all, how do you like our fancy new music? Oh, it's so good. Thanks so much to Tawny and Evan from Light Fiction for recording our new intro, outro, and um, other little tunes that we dig. Our pick of the week jingle, which we won't be using this week, by the way, guys. We don't have one. Spoiler. Um, you can find more from them if you go to facebook.com forward slash light fiction music. Uh, we're going to do a news segment. We're always in such a hurry to be so fast and so quick and so efficient. Yeah. German engineering in yeah. this show. We got we got told off recently by a friend who was like, you guys need to have more tangents. More tangents. More tangents. This is listener feedback. I got feedback that we need less tangents. <laughs> Did you? Ugh. Who said that? Everybody. Were, were they German? They were German. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, that explains it. Ah, uh, there it is. Um, so let's try to be personable like we know each other. And, <laughs> right. And, and we're not just coworkers forced together for like a project where we record a movie podcast. Right. Like, well, like anybody would think we do this for a living. Exactly. First of all. It would exactly. be insane. Um, there must be something else they're good at. Yeah. Yeah. That we're must not, be. Not clear. So let's start with a simple question. Jason, what's up with you? Oh, thanks for asking, Rebecca. Okay, now let's move on to our first review. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Oh, what's up with you? We're always laughing. Mm, we have fun. Uh, what's up with me? Well, okay, so today I was working on a report to give to a nutritionist uh, because I have decided to go see one of those. Oh. Uh, yeah, so we have them. This is where I lose like half the listeners. I'm like, at my work, we have nutritionists. <laughs> um, but there's a $10 copay, so it's not totally a privilege. Okay. Um, so um, anyway, so I've decided that I want to like go and see one of them. And I've been filling out the report that I need to give them, you know, before I go in. And filling, this, filling out this report has turned me into like a raging bitch. <laughs> oh, good to know. Because I'm just like I'm just like reading through these things and just the implications behind the question. I feel very judged. Every question's just calling you fat, basically. Uh, and it's like, tell me what you eat. I'm like, none of your fucking business. <laughs> um, and it's like, tell me what physical activities you enjoy. I'm like, none, none of them. <laughs> Quite literally, none of them. Watching movies. I know. No, and, and like I, that's literally my question. I, I I responded to the question. What physical activities do you enjoy with, I don't, quote, enjoy any physical activities. <laughs> so I am just claws out. Like, I am going to be a handful. And they're going yeah. to come to me and be like, oh, go off gluten. Go fuck yourselves. Go off sugar. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> like, I am ready to just shoot down every suggestion they give me. So why, you might ask, am I doing this? I, I was going to be the follow-up I don't know. I don't know. I just want to hear what they say just so that I can, like, have, you know, the stern, like, parent be like, listen, this is what you need to do. And just kind of, you know, confirm in my head. Where if they're going to be like, you know, you should make more meals at home. No, go fuck yourself. Like, I, I'm not going to do any of those things. <laughs> like, um, who can I pay to make me meals at home? I know. Well, I'm hoping they're going to have, they'll have like some kind of solution where I can do one of those have meals delivered things. I know they're, they're out there. and I have Like a friend... meals on wheels, Jason? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Why not, Rebecca? <laughs> um, no, there's like some kind of, there's all kinds of different, you know, those meal plan things where, you know, there's like pre-made healthy food and it gets sent oh, to your yeah. door. So I don't know. I feel like that's probably where this is going to lead for me. And also probably some 
tense conversations around the amount that I drink. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. Which again, also go fuck yourself. Not negotiable. <laughs> so uh, that's what's up with me. That reminds me of a friend of ours um, who lives in LA. His name is Dave, and he found this new f- grocery delivery service. Like he oh, thought God. it was like Instacart, and he was like, "Oh, but it's so much cheaper." And then he like later went on the site after he got his first delivery and saw that it was for like it was like government subsidized for elderly <laughs> people <laughs> with disabilities. <laughs> He quickly stopped using it after that. He was like, this is such a great it's, service ooh, down here. Uh, <laughs> it's like somebody doing like their charity hours delivering so groceries. Dave, our <laughs> friend who works for Google. Yes. She He's used, an able-bodied 30-something-year-old like, man. <laughs> managed to use like government subsidized. <laughs> God damn it, Dave. Uh, yeah, I will, I will make a point not to do that. Uh, so, but yeah, so I might have a story next week on the oh, fist fight I got into with my nutritionist. <laughs> so we'll see how that you goes. You hear us crunching on carrot sticks next week. You'll know Yeah. Why. Oh God, no, never. That's another fuck yourself that I'll give. <laughs> like rice patties, maybe. Rice patties? Or rice cakes. Rice patties. Those rice aren't cakes. actually healthy. Rice cakes aren't, well, I mean, they're not not healthy though, right? I mean, they're made out of rice, which is starch. Right. And they're salted usually, or they're covered in sugar. Well, I mean, I put peanut butter on them personally. Okay, they're not healthy. They're like, (laughs) it's not like celery where it's like a, it's like a net neutral because you're chewing. It's it has like zero calories. It's from Brown Bundaberg rice or something like that. It's not. It's not. (sighs) Anything that's like went to a factory and got pressed into a shape that it's not natural, then that's okay. If this is going to turn into me being expected to eat natural foods, then it's just going to go nowhere fast. (laughs) Also, I'm not taking on this role, so yeah, eat the fucking rice. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to give you. We're going to role play how this is going to (laughs) go. So settle in for me yelling at you about I won't change anything about what I do, but I want to get skinny, please. <laughs> There's got to be a way. Uh, so uh, what's up with you, Rebecca? Oh, my turn. Yeah. Um, today I had a really embarrassing episode at work where um, uh, what, a kind of a new coworker saw me crying. And, you know, there are a lot of discussions about what crying at work means. But the reason I was crying at work was because it was this perfect storm of a moment I was listening to, there's this new show on HBO called Vinyl, and there are a lot of really good cover songs that are coming out of this show, even though I hear the show is like a shit show. But today they released, um, I guess it was on this recent episode, where Natalie Prass plays Karen Carpenter oh, shit. as well. And there's oh my a God. lot of stuff about going on about the show. And she looks exactly like Karen Carpenter. Yes, which is red flag. Um, <laughs> maybe for somebody. <laughs> it's not somebody you like should look like. <laughs> but um, given history, this is you might want to you might want to unpack that a little bit. I mean, <laughs> why wouldn't you want to look like Karen Carpenter? Because Karen Carpenter looked like she was someone who was dying of an eating disorder. Well, toward the end, but now she now she'd be like average average weight. I mean, I get it depends on what, what the way part things of Karen have changed. Nellie Prass doesn't look like Karen Carpenter in that sense. She doesn't look okay. emaciated. She just has like her face and her kind of energy. Yeah, that and which is great. Which is great. Yes. Um, Anyway, just Jason disapprovingly. This is all a bunch of weight talk this time. But anyway, <laughs> so today they released Nico Case does a cover of um, Danny's song, which is the cheesy ass '70s um, Loggins and Messina jam, and which which I love. And so I was like really emotional listening to this Nico Case, which you should find it. I think it's on YouTube. Um, and then I was looking for a GIF, and I found a GIF of Baby Dumbo, the elephant, like wiping his little face off. And at the same, these two things happened at the same time, and I could not help myself. I just started crying because everything was so cute. And then my coworker saw me, and I had to. She was like, "Oh my god, is everything okay?" And I'm not. I am never like a kind of person to cry at work about anything like work related or people related. 
And I had to explain it. And then as I explained it, I was so embarrassed. I started crying a little bit more. <laughs> but she was great. She showed me a picture of her and a, and a puppy where she was crying, which was really sweet. And I felt a lot better about it. That's nice. And so uh, that's what's up with me. And that's also what Rebecca does at work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Nico Case and look at your gifts. In case you're wondering what my co-host and producer does all day. <laughs> you're like, why didn't you write the script? She has a you Google alert for new Nico Case covers. <laughs> And then she just looks for gifts of things. Gifts of baby animals. Gifts of baby animals. And then she just sobs. <laughs> That's it. Inappropriately at her desk, alienating new coworkers. Been there for almost six years now. <laughs> and so have we have we done enough catching up? I think Is that I think, enough? I think I think we can answer the question, what's up with you? Uh, so we can move along. Excellent. Let's talk about the Oscars. They're coming up this Sunday. They are. And uh, yeah, because right now, so we record this on Thursday nights, guys. So currently it's Thursday night and we are very excited about Sunday because it's the Oscars. It's 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 the culmination of of six months of campaigning and, and three months of embarrassing news stories. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's going to be, I, I wonder if it's actually going to like boost their ratings because I feel yeah. like, cause people are not normally talking about the Oscars right outside of like the people who always talk about them. People you. like me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Queens. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people will want to see what Chris Rock has to say. Exactly. If for nothing else. Yeah, I feel like they'll probably get really good. The ratings will probably start to drop off, as I'm sure they always do, because it's yeah. an endless ceremony. Um, but yeah, I feel like everyone's going to want to see what Chris Rock has to say about it. So at the very least, that'll be uh, widely watched. And speaking of the time uh, issue of how long the ceremony runs, uh, there was a very stinging open letter that was written and published by Anoni, formerly Anthony Hegarty of Anthony the Johnsons. Uh, in which she really um, laid into the Academy and the Oscar producers pretty ferociously mm-hmm. about um, why she decided to boycott the awards. And uh, and, and at first when I saw like, oh, Anoni's boycotting the Oscars, I was like, oh, okay, so she's, you know, just joining with those who are offended by the lack of representation and diversity and everything. Um, but the funny thing is that the letter is actually like, I'm doing this because they ain't called me. Yeah. Um, Jason. So <laughs> I'm going to do that sometimes. Rebecca, She's so British. <laughs> She's British. First of all, you're not even doing an accurate. She doesn't even talk with a British accent. I've seen her live and she just kind of has like her own like little, little voice that she uses when she speaks Which between songs. Which is so sweet. Because you know I do a, a mean Anonia impression. You do. I forgot about that. Oh, there's someone to take care of me when I die. When I go, so good, I love it. Thank you. So, uh, so don't fucking tell me how a noni talks. We need to do a noni <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, shit. We need to take. We need oh to do a noni which is like shariyoki, where yeah. you do all the songs in the style of share. Shariyoki is a thing that we have done a number of times, guys. And uh, now we're gonna start doing a noni And can we can dress up? I mean, is that, that is that in is poor that, taste? That's in poor taste. Okay, yeah, see? We dressed up for Cher, which is why I was asking. Did we even? Yeah, some people had, like, eyelashes and things. Deborah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did not dress up. I don't need to, because my no, Cher voice does not need costumes. You're the Cher Yoki Ringer, and apparently you're going to be the... A Noni Yoki Ringer. I know. <laughs> so I'm like, which song did I do? As I did, what, what Tory song did I do? Is it Silent Always? Winter. Winter? Mm-hmm. Well, I did that on, on Radio Valencia, I you think. You did. Oh, yeah, so Winter is a Noni be like... Snow can rain Alright, well, this is getting off track. <laughs> yeah, there's your um, tangent. Yeah, there's our tangent. Yeah, you're welcome, tangent lovers. Uh, so Anoni was explaining that uh, initially when the Oscars announced 
what the performers were going to be for musical numbers. They were like Lady Gaga, Sam Smith, mm-hmm. and The Weeknd. Because this is that rare year where there's like a lot of major current artists who are also nominated in the Best Original Song category. Right. And so they announced those three, and they're like, more to come. And so Noni's like, and, and so I just kind of waited oh by, my by my phone. And then eventually was told that I was not going to be invited to perform on the ceremony because of time constraints. But yet Sam Smith's going to sing that awful I know Spectre James Bond movie. Writings song? on the Wall, wherever it's called. Yeah, no, it's this. It, it's Anoni has every right to be uh, offended uh, because that's that's fucking bullshit. It's fucking bullshit to be like it's a popularity contest. Basically, what they've done yeah. is they have said it's not like they pick three random performers in no. that category. No, they just don't know who Anoni is. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they don't realize that like this is actually a person who has like an enormous like you know following around the world. Yeah. Um, and who was a really pivotal musical figure out of all those dumb fucks, like the one who was like a close collaborator with Lou Reed and mm-hmm. people like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just don't know that because they're morons. And so they're like, stars, stars, stars. And Gaga, Sam Smith, and The Weeknd make the cut, uh, but no Anoni. I wish Gaga would kind of step up at this point and say something. And, like advocate for yeah. Anoni. Gaga's taking on enough issues. She needs to. <laughs> she needs to focus on the issue of her song, which yeah. is yeah, that's true. That's an important song. Campus yeah. rape. Yeah. So, uh, so she'll have her own her own flag that she'll be waving. But uh, but no, it is. And and Rebecca and I are sad just because we really wanted to see Anoni perform yeah, that on been the awesome. stage. I mean, it's so rare that someone from like the more alt side of music gets to sing mm-hmm. at the Oscars. There's been Elliot Smith. There's been Amy Mann. There's been Bjork. But aside yeah. from that, um, and that's. 20 in 20 years really and right. those are you know and there's there've been like more hip-hop acts than there have been yeah. like other than like you know eminem and three six mafia and uh so yeah it's and, and normally it's just some schmaltzy ballad so it's just yeah. something just boring elton, john, together. Or elton john or something yeah that kind of thing um just recorded for some disney movie unfortunately there are no original songs in inside out so <laughs> oh also i think when we were reading anoni's open letter open letter targeted mm-hmm. letter um and she mentioned that, like, uh, like after after the snub, that she was included in like Oscar trivia on their um, website about being a transgender artist. Yeah, which is really or, yeah. So apparently, the Oscars on like the trivia section of like Oscars dot com, it's like fun trivia. Anoni is the first ever transgender Oscar nominee. Uh, or the first ever openly transgender Oscar nominee, and Anoni's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Like you don't. I think she calls it rubbing salt in the wound. You rubbing salt in the wound. Like you don't even invite me to perform on your ceremony, and then you have the nerve to like cash in my identity for like as credit. a trivia question. Yeah, as a trivia question, uh, and also just like pat yourselves on the back. Right. Like I feel like there's just been so much. Like I don't envy the position they're in, but I feel like their their marketing has just been gross. Like they have Completely been. They've gone up. so out of the way to just show people of color in mm-hmm. their in their in their marketing for this ceremony. And it's like, we see what you're doing. Right. Like, we see you focusing on Jamie Foxx and Lupita mm-hmm. Nyong'o over and over and over and over again. And, like, constantly trying to, you know, make a concerted effort to have lots of presenters of color. Right. And and I honestly, I don't know, like, what I would tell them. Like, you know, I, no, you should only have white presenters. You know, like, that's not um, the best argument to give them either. But it just feels like they are... They're just like, okay, like, look over here. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're yeah. totally cool. This was an accident. See, this was the Academy's fault. The Oscar producers, on the other hand, right. we love diversity. And we're going to show <laughs> you how much we love diversity. Because we are not in the Academy. It's those people's fault. They're the ones who did this. Right. We're a separate ent- entity. 
So, um, yeah, so it's been weird, but moving along to Oscar picks. So we're going to have our full Oscar pick list on our Facebook page. So if you haven't already, head over to Facebook and go to uh, The Binge. It's yeah, so Facebook it's slash the binge. The URL is facebook.com slash the binge.us. Oh. Yes, yeah, so there's a couple of dots in there, mm-hmm. a couple of extensions. So, yeah, facebook.com slash the binge.us. Like us if you haven't already, and there you will find a full Oscar ballot uh, with the picks that I put into my Oscar uh, office pool. So, oh. so you can have the same picks as me and the same errors as me. <laughs> so so don't double down on your butts exactly but just know that we'll be losing together oh yeah it's a communal experience so uh we can talk about some of the major categories sure. now um and there are some we can talk about the ones that just never changed so best actor mm-hmm. never changed leo dicaprio the revenant if there were an upset it'd be brian cranston for trumbo mm-hmm. best actress never changed brie larson for room yeah um, at this point, um, initially the upset seemed like it would be Charlotte Rampling, but it seems Ooh. like she, you know, she's continued to do, you know, the, the the New York Times had an interview with her today where she kind of addressed her controversial comments, and and she's continued to do press and things um, in the wake of that. Um, so, but it just seems like at this point, I can't imagine her being the upset. Right. So, um, at least one pundit I read is pointing to Saoirse Ronan as a potential upset because oh, Brooklyn. because Brooklyn, he's gotten the sense that it's really a, a, a widely loved movie in the Academy. Hmm. I mean, it was enough to get a Best Picture nomination, right? And uh, so, and Saoirse Ronan is a previous nominee. So uh, for atonement, so there might be more of a sense of, you know, like Brie Larson, everyone's heard about like two or three years ago, um, but Saoirse Ronan's been around longer. So she could pull an upset and just, you know, do an alley-oop over the other ingenue in the category. Right. Supporting actor, hasn't changed. Sylvester Stallone, Creed. Uh-huh. Even though we now know that Ryan Coogler will not be at the Oscars. Right. And Sylvester Stallone offered to not go. Yes. Checked in with Ryan Coogler about what he should do. Yes. Class yes. act. Yes, class act. That's sly. So he's doing just fine. And uh, still favored to win. If he doesn't get it, um, then it probably would go to Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight. Oh, and where is Ryan Coogler going to be? Ryan Coogler is going to be in Flint, Michigan uh, for uh, for an event along with Ava DuVernay, Janelle Monet, mm-hmm. uh, some other folks. A big event um, drawing attention. It's like a, it's like a, what's what I'm looking for here? Web event? Web event. Um, to, like a to telecast? Dr- to bring... What's that called? I don't like not a te- not a telethon. Not a maybe I don't know. There <laughs> might be telethon? fundraising for maybe. Flint. It's basically yeah, it's a big fundraiser um, for for the the struggles, the ongoing struggles in Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's sort of emerging as a counter programming uh, thing uh, since it's happening the night of the Oscars. Although those involved claim that that's a coincidence <laughs> and that they did not set that up on purpose, even though it's st- it features not one but two snubbed African American directors right. of recent memory, Ryan Coogler and Ava DuVernay. So. Uh, so that's what's happening. And that's why Brian Coogler will not be at the Oscars, but that does not mean that Sly Stallone will probably not win. Right. Supporting actress hasn't changed. Lisa Vikander, Danish girl, frontrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the biggest surprise here is that initially everyone would have thought Rooney Mara would have been her main competition. For Carol. But it's emerged that Kate Winslet is her, really her competition because in every awards where Vikander was run as lead, like the BAFTAs and the Globes, mm-hmm. Kate Winslet won. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so somehow, uh, Kate Winslet in that movie uh, has really emerged as a as a contender. Hmm. So, if anyone's going to upset, it's going to be her. Screenplays are pretty much locked down. Um, original screenplay is going to go to uh, is going to go to Spotlight. Adapted mm-hmm, screenplay is mm-hmm. going to go to The Big Short. 
Um, that's done. And picture and director, it's looking like are going to go to The Revenant. Really? He's going to do back-to-back director? He's going to do back-to-back director and also a historic Best Picture win for a movie that's not nominated for a screenplay. Wow. Which will be the first time since Titanic. That's crazy. That that happened. Um, so yeah, so back-to-back Best Picture winners from Inuritu who will become the back-to-back Best Director winner. And uh, and you know by, by all accounts, it comes down to Revenant, Big Short, and Spotlight. But it just seems like the movie with the most heat as voting has en- is ending is the revenant really spotlight Not is, spotlight spotlight has definitely dropped that's number three. Oh wow spotlight's number three no question um so i feel like it comes down to big short and the revenant and it just seems like the revenant has the own but clearly the academy fucking yeah. loves this movie so i feel like you would get um a split vote a lot with the big short and spotlight mm-hmm. yeah you mean those two big yeah, short and spotlight com- would kind of cancel each, each other, other out. out yeah yeah because they're both i mean they're both much more sort of like wordy mm-hmm. uh fact-based uh, stories with big ensemble casts and they're both really smart and, and The Revenant is none of those things. <laughs> not wordy, not smart. Uh, just a raging shit show. Um, but it seems like it's going to win wow. and that's a real bummer. Uh, otherwise, uh, a few other notable categories. Lady Gaga is going to become an Oscar winner uh, for Till It Happens to You with mm-hmm. Diane Warren from oh. The Hunting Ground. What about Foreign Language Pick? Foreign language pick. See, this is where I took I, I took a gamble here uh, because I was reading a lot of like you know I was comparing a lot of different analyses of this, and even though Son of Saul is still like perceived as the front runner, there's a big kind of camp that says that Mustang. Sure, I use the word camp in reference to Son of Saul, <laughs> but there's a big uh, there's a big movement that you're that, leading that Mustang could win. No, actually, like Reese Witherspoon's leading this movement. Uh, if, if, oh. if I'm being honest, and Mindy Kaling. All oh, right. Um, Mustang, because no one wants to watch Son of Saul. Mm-hmm. No one wants to like put that screener in. Um, and I think the Academy. I mean, I hope that they have some self awareness that like they are infamous for picking anything about the Holocaust. Uh, so um, Mustang is 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 really kind of taps into a moment regarding um, excitement around around the voices of women, expressions mm-hmm. of women. It's directed by a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being submitted for France. Uh, yeah, even though yeah, it's it's Turkish, it's but Turkish. yeah, it's, it's submitted by France. I think it's a French filmmaker, so okay. it's France's pick. And uh, so yeah, I picked Mustang because I could I could just see an upset happening there because sometimes I mean it could be like a Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan situation where like the movie that's like mm-hmm. easier to mm-hmm. watch um, overthrows like the serious war movie. Yeah, it's happened in the past. And I could see Mustang, like maybe the maybe the Academy is thinking like, okay, here's at least a place where we can honor something that isn't just like the 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 male, you know, the white male option. And uh, and yeah, I don't know if there are any categories that we should cover. Documentary still seems like it's going to go to Amy. Mm-hmm. Uh, possible upset would be what happened, Miss Simone, because oh, yeah. Netflix, That's a Netflix movie. Cause, yeah, because Netflix is apparently like spending record amounts of money on the campaign for this. Like they want a fucking Oscar. And they will not yeah, stop until be... they have one. So when they when when uh, when they spend money on campaigning, is that like billboards in LA? Yeah, I mean it's 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 ads on variety. It's, it's ads, you know, it's ads in a variety of forms, whether online ads, uh, you know, print ads, billboards. It is throwing events. It's throwing mm-hmm. parties. It is you know sending stuff to voters. Uh, so and it's they have gone all in. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so they're trying really really hard. Uh, to get what happened, Miss Simone. They also have Winter on Fire is also theirs, 
um, but they're doing more, uh, which is another nominated film and best documentary feature. Okay. But they're they're doing a bigger push for Miss Simone because I think they know that that has a better shot of you know twenty years from start and one. And so mm-hmm. I think they know it's just, oh, yeah. it's just more accessible and easier to watch a movie that's about like a famous singer we all know than it is to watch something about like you know distraught people in the Ukraine, wherever the fuck Winter on Fire is about. <laughs> The movie review. Yes. Um, so how much did you bet in your office pool? It's not a betting pool. It's not a betting pool. Boring. Uh, I actually just got an email from the guy who was organizing the pool. And I, you know, I sent him my picks and he wrote back and he said, what's your tiebreaker? And I was like, oh, man. Well, let me think. Oh, I think in, I, in my mind, I interpreted that to mean like, what do you think you'll be right about that no one else will be right about? And I'm like... Well, I mean, I took a chance on foreign. I took a chance on this. I basically wrote him this like thousand word response. <laughs> and then he wrote back and was like, so cool. Um, I need to know what your tiebreaker is, though. And then he like copied and pasted something from his original email <laughs> that was like, <laughs> for the tiebreaker, in case there's a tie, pick what movie you think is going to win Best Documentary, The Spirit Awards. I'm like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> I'm like, Sorry for oversharing. Oh, nice. Sorry for inviting you into my Oscar pick neurosis. This is like, this is how other people are about fantasy sports. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's why, like, I try not to be judgy about those douchebags. Because... FYI, I'm number two in my fantasy basketball league. <laughs> <laughs> she did a little shoulder shrug I dance when she said shrug. that. Number two. She's it's... feeling it. She's feeling it. She's feeling the feel flow. feel great about it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so for the rest of my official Oscar ballot picks, um, check out our Facebook page and uh, and we can all uh, sink in this ship together. <laughs> Let's move on to the movies this week. The first movie is Gods of Egypt. The survival of mankind hangs in the balance when Set, a merciless god of darkness, usurps Egypt's throne and plunges the prosperous empire into chaos and conflict. Hoping to save the world and rescue his true love, a defiant mortal named Beck, <laughs> Beck <laughs> forms an unlikely alliance with the powerful god Horus. Their battle against Set and his henchmen takes them into the afterlife and across the heavens for an epic confrontation. Ages have passed since the gods walked among us. Before the fury swept over our land. Before the war that divided us for eternity. Okay, so this movie is set in ancient Egypt. Uh, does the casting, language, accent, is there any attempt to pay respect to that? Not so much. Okay. Uh, as, uh, as a lot of folks know by now, because this has been discussed for like four months or so, mm-hmm. uh, this is a movie that features uh, an all-white male leading cast mm-hmm. consisting of Gerard Butler, uh, Nikolai Kostarwodo ah, that's from I was thinking Game of, of Thrones, who, whom we shall heretofore uh, refer to as Jamie Lannister because his name is insane, and Brenton Thwaites, who is an adorable little Australian twink. <laughs> uh, so uh, all white dudes, all playing Egyptian characters. So Although this is two- like Spotlight in Cairo. Spotlight in Cairo? Yeah. It's like the cast. It's like the big short in Alexandria. <laughs> yes. Let's call it that. Um, and uh, so, and everyone in the movie commits to the exact same British accent. Oh, so this yes. is like 
like this is like a throwback. Style. This is like 50s, 40s, like Ben Hur. Ben Hur, yeah. Yeah, this is this is white men speaking in British accents. No. Um, so the supporting cast is actually like super, super diverse. They go out of their way to have like a, just a panorama of, of different skin tones in the background for the extras. And for the female, uh, notable female characters, they cast... Um, Don't women- you say Rosario Dawson to me. <laughs> Not in this one. Okay, good. No, this isn't... Uh, what was it? Alexander? Was that the Oliver Stone movie she did? The one with Colin Farrell? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no. But what they do that's similar to Rosario Dawson is they cast actresses that have, like, just just a, just, just a hint, just a skosh of color. Um, <laughs> just a splash. Just a splash. Um, just a demi-toss of color. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's not so much out of any sense of like being respectful mm-hmm. it's just because everyone knows that like multi-ethnic women are hot oh no and so they just cast for like general like quote-unquote exotic, exotic hot yeah, exotic hotness uh so uh but yeah for and that's only for the women for the men it's fucking it's scott it's scotsman gerard butler <laughs> swede nikolai coster waldo slash amy lannister and aussie twink brenton thwaites all speaking in matching british accents so it's flawed it's flawed <laughs> yeah. as, as far as being socially responsible. Yes, it is. How about, so what is it? It's a fantasy adventure? Yeah, so here's the funny thing. I don't really know anything about like ancient Egyptian mythology. That's not something I've ever studied. And so mm. I went to this movie thinking it was going to be like history. <laughs> <laughs> and so then like toward the beginning, suddenly someone gets stabbed and they start bleeding like liquid gold. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> They're taking liberties with history. <laughs> And then, like, two of the dudes, like, turn into, like, giant, like, shiny CG monsters. I'm like, well, this is just, I don't even know what's happening in this movie <laughs> now. But I don't think this is actually what happened. Uh, so I didn't realize it was, like, going for, like, the full fantasy adventure route. Okay. And at least the characters that are played by, like, Gerard Butler and Jamie Lannister um, are, I guess, gods from mythology. Mm-hmm. But the character of Beck, <laughs> little little Becky, played, played by Brenton. <laughs> Becky played by a little doe-eyed Brenton Thwaites, uh, is, 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 is fictionalized for the purposes of this film. One of the things I, one of the reasons I was sad I wasn't able to see this film is um, the CGI that you mentioned um, looked like some of the worst CGI I have seen oh, in modern, oh, in modern it's, history. It's bad. It's like that thing where a blonde person stands in front of a green screen and you can see where the edges of their hair oh my God. hit the yeah. green screen. It's one of those movies that you can tell was filmed like 95% against green screen. Mm-hmm. And it just, and, and it had like, a, I was reading up on this today, it had like a $140 million budget. Holy shit. And it got like 43% of that, it got to get paid for by like the Australian government because they filmed in Australia and they had like a 43% oh. like tax bond or something. Like the, the studio itself, Lionsgate, had like 10% tax liability for this oh wow yeah so this they 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 got ripped off but good yeah absolutely uh, on this one so despite having a 140 million dollar budget and because there are scenes that do look very impressive in the beginning as it's starting i'm like oh wow this looks very expensive this is very grand uh this is very luxurious uh no no that that starts to they 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 blew it all in the first 10 minutes and then it just looks like really (laughs) ed wood it looked like oh ed wood it looked like one of the remember when rihanna was on saturday night live and she had that video in the background and it's like Mm -hmm. that 90s what's that called like surf beach core it's like it looks like um computer graphics from the 90s and it's like dolphins and stuff oh. and it's like just weird like yeah, 3D yeah, yeah. stuff but it's like really shitty looking yeah that's what this movie that reminded looks like, me of yeah yeah no that's 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 accurate uh, and, and there are scenes that like made me 
kind of cringe because the CG was so bad. Mm. Like there'll be a scene where there's a scene where where little Beck, little Becky is like falls through some kind of you know trap door and is like sliding through the air like on like a riding a bunch of fucking Egyptian trophies or something and like they're they they insist on trying to cut to like close-ups of his face while he's falling oh no and and it just it just it just comes together so awkwardly so yeah no the the CG leaves leaves something to be desired and uh and it's just unfailingly shiny and cheap looking so it doesn't work as a fantasy adventure movie either um n- no, I would say that like in the beginning that I I was kind of engrossed. Like mm-hmm. I I was I was already ready to like totally, you know, write off the entire thing because it is just unacceptable mm-hmm. to still do what it does in terms of casting the people that it casts and having them do the accents that they do. So I was already ready to be like fuck this movie, but you know, I wanted to still let the movie be what it was going to be and try to engage me on its own terms. So I was like, okay, is it still going to be like entertaining? Is it going to be fun? You know, because as you know, our, our our listeners might remember, even for thirteen hours, I was willing to like give it credit as like a really well done action film. Despite and I still haven't forgiven you for that. No, no, he never will. That'll be the thing that we're talking about to like our our, our podcast couples counselor later on. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said, consume in moderation. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but no, this one, it, it, it quickly runs out of steam. Very, very, very quickly runs out of steam. And, um, and then it's just a slog to get through to the end. And it's uh-huh. just, it's so mediocre and blah, 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 blah. So this is a movie where the cast kind of had some comments back about, um, because they, they've been already been getting feedback about the casting, uh, kind of since it was announced who was going to be in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and is it, uh, Jamie Lannister? Jamie Lannister. Let's see. So what did he say about it? He said something about, um, oh, we have the quote. A lot of people are getting really worked up online about the fact that I'm a white actor. I'm not even playing an Egyptian. I'm an eight-foot-tall god who turns into a falcon. <laughs> a part of me just wants to freak out, but then I think there's nothing you can do about it. You can't win in that sort of decision. So the act, the director also, um, who was born in Egypt, yes, is an Egyptian. Yes, his um, name is Alex Proyas, and uh, and apparently his parents were, um, they were some kind falcons? of falcons. <laughs> Possibly, I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> uh, but they were like Greeks in Egypt, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. But he was born in Alexandria. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then he argued that there were a lack of English-speaking actors in Egypt, um, and there were difficulties with production and the studio requirements for box office, um, and that's why they went to Australia because there are different guidelines for using actors. Well, no, and going to Australia was part of the problem. Oh, was because that they, they went to Australia, you have to actors. use Australian yeah, actors, right? I see. Yeah. So, uh, so I think so which, a lot of lot to say there. A lot to say. Yeah. I mean, I think per you know, as far as Jamie Lannister's comments go, uh, I think it again just shows like this kind of just a completely different approach to these sub these these subjects from Europeans. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, going back to Charlotte Rampling's comments and and I think that you know that there's just a different lens that you see these kinds of issues through if you're right. not like in the middle of like the fucking you know like American melting pot about it every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's like, in to his point, he does play a god <laughs> that turns into a falcon. Right. And um, although the funny thing is, and the movie opens with like, you know, show, uh, these shots that look like they're supposed to be inside like an Egyptian tomb. And they show like the two, these like statues of the gods back to back to be mm-hmm. like, here they are. To like do the foreshadowing of like, and here's mm-hmm. the conflict to come. Kind of scu- like the notebook. Kind of like the notebook. And the sculptures are actually carved out of black rock. 
Oh, no. I mean, but that uh, his comment doesn't even make sense. Like, the idea of that God, being an Egyptian so, God, yeah, would come would manifest from the mind, right, of an Egyptian person. There's no way that a white... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that he uh, he was he was probably just, yeah, feeling a little a little butthurt that he was suddenly being pulled into something. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Why is it wrong when I do it? Christian Bell did it last year. <laughs> uh, so, and, and in terms of Alec, what Alex Proyas said, I think that it's, it, it is a good thing for, every, for us all to keep in mind that, like, we can't go after... It's well. It's it's irresponsible and inaccurate to put all of this on the filmmakers' True. shoulders mm-hmm. because they are just a cog in the in machine mm-hmm. that there are so many different parts of, and a lot of the time it does come down to the financing. Right. You know, like they're like we need to have bankable names, so they're they're like we're not making an art film here. We're making mm-hmm. a big studio film with a big budget, and we're not going to cast some Egyptian actor to play this part because there's no such thing as a bankable Egyptian actor. Right. They want three hundred money. They want that three hundred money, and uh, and so there's the financing, and then there's also you know foreign sales, uh, you know yes. like they you know they would like for, like for us to take this around the world, we need to have like some fucking white faces up there, and uh, and it's and it it, it it could not be more like, it could not feel more sort of defeatist to mm-hmm. think of that reality to think that like yeah. that it's other countries like we want to just make it about like ignorance at home, but the fact that it's actually like foreign box office that mm-hmm. dictates casting white actors in these movies that get sold overseas. It's so strange. There are a few articles about it, but I don't think that... that I mean, there's, there's definitely a cycle, right? It's like the, everyone mm-hmm. needs money, and, and, and right. I, I've, I'm surprised that the studios haven't sort of come out with this angle yet, or someone hasn't kind of come out with this angle yet, where, I mean, we're making movies that people want to buy, people want to buy movies with white faces, so it's mm-hmm. like, you're calling us racist, but right. there's, an, it, there's an underlying issue here, is that we're right. making movies for people who don't want to see black faces. Correct. Um, and I mean, I don't know where, where that would help or serve, I mean, but it's they, still kind of, it would fuck over their, their money if they were like, well, it's the people we're selling it to that are racist. That's why so will people stop seeing that's movies? Why they wouldn't say that because then they're going to be in bad relationships business wise with like the countries that are needing to bail them out like China. Mm. So like they would not then go like, oh, well, you, it's just because the Chinese are racist people. <laughs> like that's, that would be not a good thing for like the head of Paramount or something to like tell the, the, the trades. Yeah. Like it's not us. It's, it's, it's racist well, some, foreigners. Like, some op. I don't know, some medium posts, some, uh, <laughs> some medium box. I don't know. When somebody, some open, let's get some girl that works at E24 <laughs> to write a very important letter about this. And then someone else will respond and. Right, a, seri- a series of explosive vines and, and periscopes <laughs> lay bare the reality of the situation. So what are you going to give this one? Send it back. Send it back. Send it back. It's Shocked. A, it's, it's such a snooze. It's just boring. It's not exciting. It's not well made. Like the only things that I could focus on the entire movie to like perk myself up were the like slicked up rippling thighs of Gerard Butler, Nikolai mm. Coster Waldo, and Little Brenton Thwaites. And this <laughs> is a movie like it's it's and I didn't mention this. This movie is so like it's not quite three hundred in terms of like body porn. Oh, but like. It definitely has a lot of greased up biceps and rippling thighs, and every single woman is wearing the most absurdly low cut dress. Oh god! It is like absurd, absurd, really, really, really ridiculous. Like every woman you see in any scene just has like tits served up and like barely covered. No. So yeah, so it also does that. And the thing that made me even angry about that is it has not one but two of the actresses who played breeders in Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, and then they play, and then this. Yeah, oh, and one, one of them plays Brenton Thwaites' love interest, and one is like a 
you know, henchmen from the Avenging Gods. So, oh, yeah. So that reminds me. Mm-hmm. How are we on the Bechdel test in this movie? Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, it fails. And the DuVernay test? Uh, it has one character of color who's played by um, Chadwick Boseman, who mm-hmm. played uh, James Brown in Get On Up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's an interesting... He's cast as a god who I guess was one of the gods from mythology who is like sort of like the all-knowing god of like intelligence and academia. And uh, so it's kind of a fun performance from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, of course, I mean, this is a movie that retroactively has any kind of credit taken away from it just from yeah. its ca- the casting of its male principles. So no, fails. Fails across the board. All right. Fails both tests and gets ascended back. But in case you are particularly bored... Gods of Egypt is out now and rated PG-13 for fantasy violence and action and some sexuality. I mean, who wants these movies, guys? Like, is there anyone out there, If genuinely, if anyone listening to this enjoys these kinds of, like, sword and sandal epics or movies that try to do Egyptian mythology, then please let us know. I'd like to hear why. I mean, I don't mean, I'm not going to be like, you moron, when you tell me. I'm just curious, because it's so far removed from what I enjoy in a movie. How would you prefer to have that discussion? On Twitter? On yeah, I would say hit us, up, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at the Jason Leroy, and Rebecca is at Fight Balance. And uh, we will happily engage you you Egyptian mythology-loving sex bots on <laughs> anything you want to talk to us about. Um, okay, so we only have one other movie this week, which is Embrace of the Serpent. In the early 1900s, a young shaman in the Colombian Amazon helps a sick German explorer and his local guide search for a rare healing plant. Thirty years later, that same shaman guides yet another white explorer through a changed version of that same landscape. Okay, so we are way over on the other side of authenticity and social responsibility of the spectrum with this movie. We surely Um, are. This movie is acted by local actors. They spoke in... I think it was seven or nine um, yeah. different local languages, including none of which are English. No, including some of which might be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this was inspired by the travel diaries of two white men. Um, they are the only known accounts of some Amazonian cultures. Um, and it's also nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. So let's just take year. a moment and say, thank you, white men. Say it. <laughs> this is a trick. <laughs> Look, I've fallen into a trap you set for me, you son of a bitch. Too smart for your traps. <laughs> yeah, this one is uh, very authentic. It's uh, made by a Colombian director. Um, he found a lot of actors from the Amazon. Um, it was interesting. He said that it was not that difficult to teach these people who had never acted before to, to act because they uh, have such a culture of storytelling mm-hmm. um, and, and physical use of their body and storytelling that it was a pretty easy to get some of these actors to act, which was super interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, it's it's always such an, a great experience as a, as a viewer to see someone who is just so fresh and mm-hmm. so raw and just has, like, this kind of natural ability and hasn't really been tainted yet by, like, watching themselves and and overthinking it and they just get to be just present and natural in the moment and that's definitely what you see with the uh with the local actors in this movie right no no onset instagram snaps no these guys no 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 pouty selfies from these dudes 
So what would you say this... They don't uh, have the girls for it. (laughs) What would you say this movie is uh, basically about, Jason? I'd say it's basically about our relationship. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's basically a story about about white nonsense being dealt with by by, by put-upon brown folks who are being tasked with showing white people the way. (laughs) Just throw that shit out, Jason. (laughs) Just throw away the rice cakes. (laughs) No, I won't. I won't. (laughs) You'll never be free. <laughs> I know, except for like in this movie, they're like, lead me to the natural plant. And I'm like, keep me away from the natural plants. <laughs> but other than that, it's basically all about the tensions and the joys of mine and Rebecca's relationship. But mm-hmm. Rebecca's lingering fear that I'm trying to like extinguish her, uh, her identity. Yeah. So it's called Embrace of the Serpent. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of snakes in it, true to its name. Um, yes. Just in case you're listening. Bethine. Bethine. There's also a lot of talk about which of the characters represent snakes. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, there's literal snakes, which fucking horrified me. That was intense. Yeah, there's there's a lot the of opening like credit sequence. Snake. Oh my god, the opening credit sequence. I think was like a snake giving birth. Yeah, and, and then just, eating. And then eating the young. Yeah. I. Huh. <laughs> you have a snake no. thing? Oh yeah, I have a yes. Oh, it was pretty yes, gnarly. Yes, I do. Yeah, that's like my. Gnarly. That's like probably like my biggest fear. Oh really? Is is snakes? Yes, I should have told you that. <laughs> uh, you, my my vindictive shaman, is now going to try to <laughs> punish me somehow. But yeah, no, the opening credit sequence is like a snake giving birth, and so you see just like like thousands of like slippery, slimy little baby snakes, and then my like, other eggs. <laughs> and then and that starts to eat them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's also a lot of throwing up in this movie. Which there is. Oh I yeah, yeah. So we were both we were both really being uh, being put through the ringer mm-hmm. with our respective sensitivities. But so yeah, so there's lots of like, who is a snake? Is the snake the white man? Is the snake the local man? Is mm-hmm. the snake the river? Mm-hmm. Is the snake the actual snake that's fighting with the tiger? Like I don't even know. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. The snake is all of those things. Yes. The snake is it's a shifting thing, as snakes are wont to do. You know what I hope this movie doesn't become? Hmm. Someone's like wallpaper about how to like see more of the world and stop looking. Like there's this part of the movie where like the shaman, it, there's very much this this clash where um, the the white adventurers are very attached to their things. They're always taking notes and taking photos and they're mm-hmm. carrying around record players and they have all this stuff with them. And then the local shaman doesn't, has like a, a weapon with him and, and not much else. Um and there's this part where he kind of gives a speech about how, um, like, the white explorer is so focused on, like, his map and what he's doing that he he won't, like, look up and look around and look at mm-hmm. the actual, like, where he's headed. And I just hope it doesn't become some, like, white nonsense, like, off the grid, free your mind, <laughs> um, just motivate you to, like, stop I looking mean, at Instagram and, like, does start end, looking and smelling the roses. It does end with, like a white man like standing along like a riverbank like looking as if he'd been awakened mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it could very easily it do could. that it's also very um it's very desktop friendly because it's so beautifully shot mm-hmm. um even though it's shot in black and white it is shot in black and white yeah how did I, you feel about that well i felt like it was a disservice to the fact that it's in the goddamn tropics which yeah. is like most colorful beautiful area in the world but i guess you know putting it in black and white um helps it to seem more kind of out of time and and I mean, it's one of those movies kind of similar to The Witch in a certain way where like it feels very, it feels very old. Yes. Like, it doesn't feel in any yeah. way modern. It doesn't feel in any way um, current. 
Uh, it feels like a product of its time. Like, I actually thought before I watched this movie, I thought it was a documentary. So did I. Because so did all I. the stills from it look like documentary mm-hmm. stills. Yep. It looks so fucking real. I'm like, that couldn't be an actor playing, you know, who right. looks that way. But no, it is. The first time I thought it was a movie was when the the newer, younger white explorer comes. I feel yeah. like there's something about the way he carries yeah, himself he, that has he looks, a he presence. Seems actory. Yeah. yeah, he seems actory. Um, but up until then, I was, I mean, and that, I knew, I mean, I knew what it was by then. I knew it was a documentary, but it felt like either a documentary or a movie that was made like in the 40s or 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like there was like a rawness to the editing that kind of helped that feeling along, which, yeah. which wasn't to say the editing was bad, but it definitely took me out it's, of the present. It's not, MT, sure. it's not MTV editing. No. <laughs> It no. is not that. No, I mean, it, it feels like it could very easily be like a Herzog movie. Mm-hmm. It kind of has yeah. like a Herzog yeah. kind of vibe to it. There are also a lot of um, muscular thong clad shaman. How did, how did you, how did that compete with snake time for you? <laughs> oh, it was snake time. Believe me. Oh, there it is. Um, what did so, I do? <laughs> see, you do fall into my traps. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there is indeed, um, there is a, a lot of that. But, you know, so if, if, if the question is, you know, what was I still able to notice? Um, I've decided to read a list of notes that I made to myself while watching this movie <laughs> um, in the style of our, of our recent guest, Lindsay Gebhardt, uh, who on The Bloodlust rattle off a list of notes she made to herself while watching <laughs> The Forest. Here are some things that I wrote to myself while watching Embrace the Serpent. Does Rebecca relate to the shaman's reluctance to help a pitiful white man? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dear God, is that snake giving birth and then eating its young? <laughs> Snake in the water, white dude in a canoe, tomato, tomato. <laughs> At least these white dudes bothered learning the language. Yeah. Then I can imagine you yeah. saying to me, you're nothing but a white. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did make that part my yeah. backdrop. My mom. <laughs> Whenever my I call or text you, that's, yeah. that's the picture that comes up. up. You're nothing but a white. <laughs> um, what the hell am I watching? Uh, this really strikes at the heart of mine and Rebecca's relationship. <laughs> uh, a high-waisted thong is not the look. Should be, <laughs> should be more of a low-rise. Uh, that nose that horn would be a hell of a way to do blow. Right? This, yeah, right? So there's a, there are a lot of drugs in this movie. They kind of go from one to another finding this, this healing plant. Um, but there's a lot of blow happening there's in this movie. There's a lot of literal blowing. Which uh, is interesting. I was thinking about that if, you were, if I had a note. It would have been... <laughs> Just like how it's framed in that context of it being like the spiritual, medicinal, healing mm-hmm. power. Right. Um, which is so far from the dirty cocaine <laughs> right. world the, we live in today. Well, yes. Known as the mission. <laughs> uh, mission face. A few more notes. I said there's still nothing scarier than a poorly made cloth head covering with jagged eye slits. Oh, yeah. Still the scariest thing. That is terrifying. Uh, and then toward the end, white man gone crazy. Uh, I am not enlightened enough to deal with this bullshit. <laughs> and then finally, uh, ham-fisted allegory. Oh, yeah. yeah. At the end? I just thought overall, honestly, like, I wasn't a fan of this movie. Really? No, I wasn't. Like, it did nothing for me. Like, I did not find it especially, like, I kept trying to, like, force myself to appreciate, like, how amazing it is as, like, this Colombian filmmaker working with, you know, like, you know, Amazon natives and and using this source to, like, bring back this culture that had been snuffed out. Mm -hmm. Like, I admire the goals of the film, but watching, I just felt like, I felt like all the symbolism was extremely on the nose. Mm-hmm. I felt like, uh, I just felt like the allegories were all really, really, really literal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and it's a familiar narrative. It's not like it's a new narrative to be like, oh, and mm-hmm. here's, you know, here's a story about how, 
you know, how colonialism has ravaged, uh, you know, vanishing cultures. Right. You know, it's an important narrative, but I didn't think that it brought anything especially, like, gripping to it. You just don't understand Colombian subtlety. <laughs> this is just like how I didn't understand Chilean humor. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Your ignorance. <laughs> it knows no bounds when it comes to Latin American nuance. <laughs> oh, you're being such a white right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing but a white. <laughs> um... Yeah, I mean, I felt like the kind of towards the end when they when they have this, they like show the drug experience. Um, they're mm-hmm. sort of basically chasing what I assume is ayahuasca this whole time. Mm. Um, and then he then he takes it and they and then he kind of goes through this I don't know MS Paint like <laughs> yes um, the MS Paint thing. I was like, what in the actual what in the actual fuck is happening? Things get a little heavy. I thought that I wouldn't say it didn't and didn't do anything for me. I thought it was a little heavy. On the allegory, for sure. Um, but I thought the acting was fantastic. Um, I thought that there's this all like this subplot that happens with this religious community that has mm-hmm. uh, taken up and had a, made a mission. Yeah, uh, I like the idea of revisiting that in two parts of this this shaman's life. Right. Um, so I felt like the whole time I didn't know what was going to happen. I was really engrossed. I was really impressed with the acting. Um, and I was constantly checking myself with that sort of like, wait, is it a documentary? Wait. When was this made again? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was made in such an authentic way. Um, so I was just impressed with that afterwards. But um, at the end, I, I did feel like I left without anything substantial. Yeah. It's not something I would maybe revisit and say, like, this movie yeah. is so great. But I had a, a really great time watching it. Well, that's good. Um, I mean, I feel like I've already, if I were to watch it a second time, I can't help but imagine that I would like it more. Mm-hmm. I just, because, you know, it, the movie is... You know, it's a non-linear narrative. It hops around between two timelines. doesn't tell you what either of those timelines are. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't even realize until halfway into the movie that it was the same guy. Um, oh, really? At different ages. I was like, oh, wait, that's the same. You know, I had to look at, like, the face makeup and, like, the thing in his ear. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I and guess, his, that's, yeah, guess that's the same dude in the necklace. Yeah. I'm assuming it's, like, the 20s and the 60s. So, apparently, it's supposed to be 1909 and 1940. Oh, okay. So, which, mm-hmm. that's the thing. The movie doesn't, has, it doesn't, you know, this is a movie that does not have, um, it has a very gentle hand with its narrative. But, like, I mean, that's part of the story is, like, if you're coming from, from the shaman's perspective, like, what does he call it? Like, well, this is time without time? Mm-hmm. Like, what is time? Yeah. <laughs> Which, okay. Oh, I'm it's not 1909? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can't with all this. Yeah. When it starts to get spiritual, I'm like, all right. Um, and then there's so many terms. I'm like, I don't even know how to pronounce that in my head, let alone understand what it means, like chulaloqui or whatever. Okay, so so it gets points for being in nine different languages, some of which are dead, but because you don't understand some of the words that they use, then it gets dinged I, for it? I am expressing why I didn't connect with it. Um, so I just had a hard time with that because I was like, what does that even mean? Like, it's, it's hard when it's a word that you can't even pronounce in your head. I feel like that really puts you in the place of two people without really that a shared language, which I'm impressed enough that they did have the exchanges that they did have from the from the white guys learning mm-hmm. um, whatever languages they spoke, right? And then kind of having a middle ground with half Spanish. But um, I feel like not, being in that place of not knowing is just being in their world and sure. trying to figure out that relationship, right? Well, what I'm saying is that for me as a viewer, it kept me at a distance, okay? Um, because I couldn't I couldn't really connect with what was happening because I couldn't even understand the words that were being used. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, but you know, I, so I feel if I watched it a second time and I was like, oh, okay, it's the same guy here are the years this is happening here's just, you know, just, you know, whatever it might make me like, you know, simple and basic that I was like looking for some kind of basic context of what the fuck was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just didn't know. And, uh, and I, I didn't find it, um, you know, especially gripping. I did appreciate the commentary on, you know, there's like very little symbolism of like the literal and, um, 
and you know emotional scars of the rubber barons mm, um there's a yeah. really there's a yeah there's a chilling chilling yes. sequence uh that illustrates that and i appreciated you know showing just sort of the legacy of the of the religious uh, colonialism of mm-hmm. the of the missionaries and and uh you know scenes where you really don't know where they're going to go um right. when they visit with missionaries in the 09 setting and then seeing the the consequences of that in the 1940s setting. Yeah, that was interesting. So, uh, so I mean, it kind of, you know, it definitely shows you things that you haven't seen before in a movie. Um, but it kind of, like what you were saying, Kevin, and it's all kind of like, all right, well, you know, that was sort of like some 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 vignettes, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to necessarily amount to much. And, and ultimately, it does seem to be about this white man's experience. Like, he's the one you're left with in the end. Mm-hmm. And it was all in service. Like, that's, the shaman says, like, I'm not meant to teach my people. I'm meant to teach you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, so ultimately it's not even necessarily about like this, this man's, you know, perspective, uh, the, the, the shaman's perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess I would see that as like it from, from his angle, his life was visited twice by basically an interchangeable character, which is this like white explorer. Mm-hmm. So as far as like his, you know, there's his backstory about being like abandoned at a young age and having to like kind of go out and, and figure things out on his own. Um, and, and he didn't have a people to go back and find or help. That was a thing. So he had it like, so at the end of his life when he's confused and he has forgotten things about how he, his culture, this is what he's left with. So I didn't feel like it was a service to them in a way that like compromised him at all, but, um, kind of just what his life ended up being. So he decided to take a different turn with it a second time. And in a way, what they could have also been doing there was just being like, and this is how the message, this is how his story was passed on Mm, because he did leave it to the white man who did, who did go and have diaries that are like the last remaining artifact of, of this culture and this way of life. Mm -hmm. Uh, so in that way, it's kind of like he opens this man's eyes to this reality he wouldn't have known and then sends him out into the world to to pass the story along. And now it's a movie. Right. So that's great. <laughs> and it's an Oscar. And it's an Oscar nominated movie. Do you it's think it's going to have a crossover potential? Is it a, the next Amelie? <laughs> I feel like this is like an uncommonly difficult foreign film to market. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... You know, it's a black and white movie in like seven different languages. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, it's it's not. It doesn't star people who are easy on the eyes. It takes place in a ravaged tropic setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not. It's not easy to watch. Yeah, so it's the visual opposite of Emily, yes. with all the like saturated colors and the preciousness of it. Yeah, um, yeah. I would love to see a side by side of of that actor in in Emily. <laughs> I mean, they 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 both they both have you know a little twinkle in their eyes. Sometimes. They, do. Um, they do. Like uh, he, the younger version of the shaman, has enjoys a scream laugh. He does. <laughs> that tickled me when he was like yes. laughing at the guy. When in the, the guy boat, tries when to, yeah, when like, he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes, you should be laughing at that ridiculous. That was great. Way, that man. does remind me of us. <laughs> it really is. So this movie will have a place in my heart as a movie that <laughs> you need best, to get a big poster for this best, wall when we yes, make video podcasts. Yes, and have like and have like the one on your side be one of the shaman, the yeah. one on my side one of the white dudes, and he's like, "You're nothing but a white." And yeah, we can just have that overlooking. You can us. make that happen. Yeah. So if any if any listeners out there looking to support us, <laughs> <laughs> haven't have a skill of blowing up a still from a photo. Yes, then we would like to commission that, please. Thank you. Uh, so no, I don't think that's going to be uh, much of a crossover. I think it's going to be a real challenge. 
Um, but I mean, it certainly has a lot of critical support. This is why I think, I don't know if maybe I just had too much hype for going into it because mm. a couple of guys in the critic circle said this was their favorite movie of last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, like they fucking loved it. Mm. And I think it's like 90% Rotten Tomatoes. And, uh, and, and, and I don't know, I just maybe, and I watched it, true confession, uh, I watched it over the course of like three days. Okay, um, so maybe you would lose a little bit of that. I mean, every, every time I was watching it, I was like, okay. You know, I think if anything, you know, I was like coming back to it fresh, like, okay, like, here we go. Like, this is gonna be the time that I really start to get into it. And that just kind of never happened. Hmm. Um, just for little moments, you know, like we were talking about like, the mission, you know, the mission and then the um, the the cult. And so, but yeah, overall, it just, it just didn't do a hell of a lot for me. Hmm. Yeah. I felt it was one that I started off having my phone on oh, yeah. me and then eventually I, or pretty quickly I put it down. And was mm-hmm. totally in the movie the whole time. Well, that's good. That's good. And I'm glad that's, I did not have my, I was like writing notes in my little notes app. I was watching mm-hmm. on my, on my laptop. So I wasn't like, I wasn't looking at other things. I was focusing on the movie. I swear. I really try. <laughs> I really try. Guys. So what are you giving this movie? Um, I mean, as much as like, I feel like I've, I hear like Lindsay's voice in my head saying like, just be a bitch. Just say no. Just say you fucking hate it. Um, <laughs> you know, just for once in your life, <laughs> just send something back. Um, but no, I'm going to say consume moderation for me. Um, because I do, uh, you know, I, I, I admire and respect the achievement of this movie. And uh, and I'm sure if I watched it a second time that I would get a lot more out of it than I did the first time. Um, but at the same time, I did not have, like, in any way, like, a, fu- you know, a pleasant or engrossing experience watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I would also give it a consumer moderation. I don't hmm. think it's for everybody. Um, I think it's great. I think the the end pulls away. If the, if the end hadn't, hadn't been this sort of, like interpretation of a of a drug trip i felt like that was just it was a cheap moment that kind of ruined it um i couldn't believe what i was looking at if it wasn't that i would have said uh binge it um i mean compared to what else is out right now it's it's not it's definitely leans to binge it but i'll say consume in moderation okay uh embrace of the serpent is out now and is unrated but we'll probably get an r for some nudity a little violence and two solid hours of scantily clad man ass yeah (laughs) so that's it that's it, guys. Am I supposed to ask what's up with you again or just no, that once? Just we cut, the yeah, once? we can just do it at the beginning. Okay. Because, you know, nothing, I don't have any updates Anything on the nutritionist like, thing. I just did a podcast and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> my, that my white talked a lot and he would not stop. <laughs> just on. <laughs> anyway, thank anyway. you. Anyway. So much for tuning into this week's episode of The Binge. Thanks, guys. Uh, if you're not already subscribed on iTunes and you have an Apple uh, iPhone, then you should do that. And if you're on Android, we're on Stitcher and we're on SoundCloud. Um, and there's the website, thebinge.us. Thebinge.us. Like it on Facebook. We already gave you our Twitter handles earlier, so we won't burden you with that again. Uh, so I guess that's it. Have a good week. Thanks, guys. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There There goes goes the the binge. binge.